Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I am your host, Doris Hansen, and we do hope that you enjoy the program we have for you tonight. There is one announcement <clears throat> that I'd like to make before we get started. Several months ago, the biblical ministry, Words to Live By, which is part of the RBC Ministries, asked if I would share my story with their radio listeners, which I was happy to do. They are going to air my story this Saturday and Sunday on March 23rd and 24th on 325 radio stations worldwide. And if you'd like to hear my story, you can listen locally on KEYP 91.9 FM and KEYY 1450 AM Saturday the 23rd at 4 AM and then again at 3 PM. That's KEYY 1450 AM and KEYP 91.9 FM. And I'd like to thank Words to Live By and KEYP Radio for inviting me to share how God has changed my life and giving me hope when there was none. And He can do the same thing for you, too. You know, all LDS and Mormon fundamentalists believe in the Book of Mormon as Scripture. They also believe that there is more of the Book of Mormon that is yet to come, and that is called the sealed portion. I want to quote from the Maxwell Institute BYU website page where it says, and I quote, In the 171 years since the Book of Mormon was first published, much emphasis has been placed on why it should be read. However, there seems to have been little emphasis placed on how the Book of Mormon is preparing us for additional scriptural records of great worth that have been prophesied to come forth, end quote. In fact, according to the claims of Joseph Smith in the Book of Mormon, there are at least five records that have yet to come forth. He said that Mormon was about to write all that was, and I quote, engraven upon the plates of Nephi, but the Lord forbade it. So Mormon wrote only the things that were commanded of the Lord. A few years ago, another self-proclaimed prophet arising in the shadow of Joseph Smith, but acting more like Warren Jeffs, has claimed to bring forth the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon. And he used the story of the sealed portion to terrorize a woman who was a member of the mainline Mormon church. This man involved a small group of people to help him deceive and exploit this woman. Her experiences were chronicled in a documentary and was broadcast on TV in January on the Dangerous Persuasions program produced by Raw Television. The documentary was entitled, Prophet or Predator? It detailed her nightmare as she was caught in the grip of this man who called himself a prophet of God and a translator, even claiming to have been anointed by Joseph Smith himself. Then, when he had her trust, he proceeded to victimize her mercilessly. 
Our guest tonight is the woman that this man terrorized in the name of God, claiming, just like Joseph Smith claimed, to be a prophet and able to translate unknown languages. I would like to introduce and welcome our guest tonight, Christine Marie Catus. Welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you. And thank you for coming. I'm happy to be here. Well, we've got quite a story. But before we get started, I really want think that our, our viewers need to know. Um, they need to be told in advance, especially those who wouldn't understand how Mormon doctrine, how much it plays a part in this story, that uh, their dogma of obedience to the prophet and that the voice of the modern-day prophet supersedes all previous prophets and even scripture, all previous scripture. Um, and so it's true with the polygamy groups as well as with the Mormon church. And you were taught that, and all Mormons are taught that, so are the polygamists taught that. And so he used that as a tool to victimize Christine the way he did. So you can keep that in mind as Christine tells her story. So let's start with um, the first question. You were an active member of the Mormon church. Would you tell us the circumstances around that happened when you first met this man? Okay. I was a divorced single mother and uh, you know, a very faithful member of the church but I had prayed about who I should marry because that's what you know. That's what we're told to do, you know. Pray, pray about everything. Mm -hmm. So I prayed about who I should marry, and and in answer to my prayer, I had a dream. In this dream, I saw a man. I remember his face. You know the details very perfectly. I told, you know, friends and family about this profound dream I had, and I mean it really stuck with me. It was one of those those dreams where I thought, well, this must have been sent by God. So a few years later, I, I moved to Utah for business reasons. And, you know, I was dating several men, you know, wonderful men, you know, uh, good catches. And, uh, but, but when I moved to Utah, it was in the end of September. On, on Friday, the 13th of October, I went to my first Mormon single stance after I moved here, and I saw the man from my dream. Wow. He, look, I, he looked exactly like him. And there he was. I thought, this is an answer to prayer. I thought, I thought God worked through dreams. Mm -hmm. I, mean, does, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a very, you know, a, a very standard Mormon belief. Right. That, that re personal revelation comes through dreams. So I introduced my t myself to him, and to make a long story short, <laughs> he was, um, um, he, you know, um, he represented to me that he had translated the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, and um, this, you know, this didn't happen overnight, but through a process, I ended up believing that he really did what he said. Mm -hmm. So now I believe that he, you know, because... If Joseph Smith translated the, the Book of Mormon, and he was a prophet, then the person who translated the rest of the Book of Mormon... The sealed portion. The sealed portion naturally must be a prophet, yeah. right. So, so do you think he targeted you when, when you just first told him that you were part of... that he was part of your dream? I didn't tell him at first. Oh, you didn't? No. Okay. I, uh, I think he targeted me because I, you know, I was, you know... Uh, a positive. Um, um, I, I was a good member of the church, and I and I introduced myself to him, and I, you know, he he, he was just 
probably probably always seeking women like this. So. Uh -huh. But after I told him my dream is when he brought in the sealed portion part because he knew he knew I was very very LDS and I would not be interested in marrying somebody that was not faithful. So he became like the super faithful, you know, like mm -hmm. he wasn't just a guy, he was a prophet. He was and, a big guy, yeah. Right, so. so so did you have any doubts about it when he told you that he had uh, translated the sealed portion? Were there any doubts in your mind? Oh, of course, of course. I mean, it sounded crazy, but keep in mind, I was a convert to the church. I joined when I was a teenager, so it was quite a leap of faith for me to believe in the Book of Mormon in the first place. When I when I joined the church, it made me very happy. And I mean I mean I really experienced a happy life for you know for for many years. Mm -hmm. So I thought that if I um, if I believed if I took that leap of faith again and believed in his still portion that it would just be you know more be happiness. Even it would be more. Right. So even though it was weird to me it was no more weird than believing in the Book of Mormon in the first place. Well that's true. What was the conversion process with this? Just studying it, studying the he told me to study the New Testament, study the sealed portion back and forth and ultimately all of my good feelings um, about you know the the gospels and the New Testament and the words of Christ got mingled in with the the eight chapters that he had sent me mm -hmm. from the sealed portion. So I'd study the Bible, the sealed portion, the Bible, the sealed portion, and and the the spirit that I felt so, from the Bible kind of got intermingled. Yeah. And it felt so it felt like it was true. Okay. So so you were you were relying on feelings, which of course right. is, can can drag us down away from right. the truth. But but did it confuse you at all to have that process take place? It's going from the Book of Mormon to the to the his translation. No, because it was very. Um, or his, from the his, Bible, I mean. His his eight chapters were very similar to the Book of Mormon, and um, you know, I, I mean, it, it it took a couple of months this process. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, he you know I learned things in the scriptures that he, you know, he had this big, big focus on helping the poor and needy, and other things which he had. A certain credibility, a certain charisma, that that made me want to believe he was telling the truth. Plus, I had that dream, and I thought, you know, maybe this yeah, is a sign. Yeah, so that that would do, wouldn't it? Yeah, yep, it would. I mean, I'd never had anything like that before. So once you believed him, he became, in a sense, your ecclesiastical leader, and then he informed you that you were called of God to be his eternal companion. That's right. And that he had the authority to seal you to himself. That's right. He represented that he had the priesthood um, that was ordained by the laying on of hands. And then I, you know, I had been trained that you do not disobey the prophet. Uh-huh. And so even though I was dating these other wonderful men, even though he's not the kind of man I would have gone for, had I not had this dream, had I not believed it was God's will, you know, when when a prophet speaks, he's speaking the voice of God, and so I, you know, of course I wanted to obey that, and mm -hmm. I felt honored to be the wife of the prophet. I wasn't motivated to, I wasn't motivated to get married that second, or to, you know, um, driven by that goal, but it was I felt it was an honor because I believed him, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and so... Did you wonder how could there could be two prophets in the Mormon church at the same time? I did wonder, and I asked him about that, and he explained that Samuel the Lamanite was a prophet from, from the wilderness when Nephi was on the earth, and, you know, that's true. 
Samuel came from a different place, and this man came from a different place too, but he also represented that the mainstream church, the general authority, there was a certain general authority overseeing this work. So in the beginning, he stayed right within my safety zone. Mm -hmm. I see, yeah, okay. that would do it. So after he deceived you into this relationship that he started with you, he started putting you through some tests. How did he justify those tests? Well, he justified it uh, by, by referring to the fact that Joseph Smith had put people through tests and that if I was going to be the wife of, of the prophet, somebody who helped with this great work of bringing in, ushering in the, you know, the second coming, essentially, you know, gathering all the righteous people in these last days, hmm. I had to go through tests. Hmm. So, so, so that, he put you, you know, through the tests. Yeah. And he used scripture. Didn't he use scripture from Matthew and Luke uh, that helped you? Well, believe? yeah, well, any, any test that he put me through, he had this way of either like um, distorting the Bible, like interpreting it, or mm -hmm. maybe um, referring to church history examples. For example, he asked, the first thing was for me to sell my, the things that I had that were extra. And, you, you know, as a faithful member of the church, I knew that you, you, you dedicate your time, talent, energy, everything to the building of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. It was nothing for me to sell anything extra. And he brought up, you know, I mean, for example, there's Matthew 19, 21, mm -hmm. which... Um, do yeah, you, do you want to read that? Sure. Mm -hmm. And it'll go up on the screen for our viewers to also okay. read what, along so with you. Um, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And so that's what he told you to do. Is, is that right? Right. You know, I mean, there are many scriptures about how you can obey all the commandments, but if you don't care about the poor and needy, then it's in vain. So, But you wouldn't about, know that that scripture was taken out of context and misapplied. I, I thought it you, made sense, you know. And yeah. so, you know, one little sacrifice leads to the next bigger sacrifice so you know it, it just first it was my extra things then it was my cherished possessions and heirlooms then next thing you know um, I had straight out cash going into this fund to help the poor and needy so you were selling off all this and giving he was taking all the money all the it cash was going this? into this f fund for the poor and needy now the administrator of this fund was another believer named, uh, I will call her six Sister Jackson. So she, um, she determined where the money would go to help the poor and needy, and I thought she was a fellow believer. And yeah, so um, I thought that I had to continue to make bigger and bigger sacrifices as he asked because it was, you know, suffering. I, you know, I had the belief that suffering and pain, you know, it cleanses you and it purifies you. And that's the whole repentance now, process. You, you had that belief. Did, did he tell you that? Is that something that he used as part of his technique? Oh, absolutely. Is that the suffering was important? Absolutely. But it's also, it's also things that I learned within the church. You know, I mean, the entire, for example, the excommunication process is designed to cause a person to, to feel pain and to be humiliated and and to be, you know, be very committed to never do those sins again. 
And so it's, it's not without justification within Mormon doctrine mm -hmm. that, you know, that you have to suffer and, and pass these tests. And, you know, the polygamists, we've talked about this on the show so many times from different polygamy groups. We hear about this pain and suffering they go through. Yeah. They also believe that the more suffering that you go through here, the greater glory that you're going Absolutely. to have when you get on the other side. Absolutely. That was the carrot that he would hold out to me. But on the other hand, it was more many actions that I did were also based out of fear because spiritual blackmail was his big tool, uh -huh. his big psychological mm -hmm. breakdown tool, mm -hmm. where I would be... He would always put me between a rock and a hard spot. Okay, now I, I'm, he's, I'm his spiritual wife in my mind. I'm thinking I'm like the matriarch and that polygamy was going to possibly be, come back. You know, we've al we always heard that. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. um, so I'm, and I keep, keep going through these things, and he's, he's using my eternal motherhood as, you know, as, as blackmail. So if I did not continue to make sacrifices that were asked of me, then all the sacrifices I had made before would be in vain. And, and I needed to do all these things because my, um, he led me to believe that my role in his work was so important that it would help the entire world. Okay, the, like... The sealed portion of the Book of Mormon was supposed to contain the most powerful revelation God ever gave to man. Wow. So, and I was there to help him, so I was very, very humbled, and I felt, you know, like my own personal needs couldn't matter, and my personal happiness was the last thing for me to worry about. I, I had a very important calling to finance the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon mm -hmm. and make sure that he was okay and do whatever I could do to for so, forward his work. So he, he translated, had already translated, so to speak, the eight chapter, the first eight chapters. Right, but he had more to do, right? right? He had quite a bit right, more to go. Right. Okay. And, and you read the eight chapters in, intermingled with, right. uh, with uh, the Bible. Well, he positioned himself as your ecclesiastical leader. And then he had a, a small group of people that he surrounded himself with as accomplices to help to deceive you. Yes. Would you tell us about that? Well, I, I had doubts um, because some of the sacrifices that he asked me to make were, I mean, they were getting worse and, 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 and they were traumatizing. And so when I started doubting, I would ask these other believers and they would confirm that, you know, that he was a prophet. I mean, there were fabricated miracles. There were, uh, there were... And they helped him pull the miracles off, so to speak. Totally. I mean, totally. And, and I mean, it was, they would confirm his deception. So when I was trying to do due diligence, the people that I was asking were confirming his lies. And so I, I found myself trapped in a world of deception. I, you know, my reality was not real. Mm -hmm. These people, you know, I, I really believed that they believed and really, yeah, you think that he had them deceived as well? Um, well, I thought so at the time. Do you think so now? Well, when I, I mean, that's part of the, I mean, 
Uh, I'll tell you that in a minute. I'll tell you that in a minute. <laughs> okay. I know. Uh, well, I, what you I'd know. like to say, I, I, I'd like to say right here that that the fact that he had the, the, those people around and confirming actually miracles to keep you into a state of deception, right. that it just fulfills what the Bible says, that false prophets, in the last days the false prophets will arise and do false miracles to deceive people. That's really And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I mean, I would get phone calls, a girl, like, um, I ended up having to, you know, I, I was separated from my children. I, you know, I temporarily, you know, I let them go stay with their father. I had to move down to um, among the poor and needy. So I was in this scary place. It was the Regis Hotel, a resident hotel, and um, where I was, I was being hurt. But um, during this time, like, um, people would come to my door like this, young woman came to my door with a handwritten revelation that he gave, that he sent to her. Um, and so when I doubted, new things would show up that would confirm. Mm -hmm. um, instead of letting me leave, he just, he, he wanted me to stay there. And this was, I can't stress this enough, this was not just a matter of him and I. This was him and, and, and a few other people, you know, playing mind games with my brain. Mm -hmm. So it was very confusing. Things, things weren't making sense. I was being traumatized. And I could not fathom. I could not make sense of anything. You couldn't. No, you couldn't. And that was this whole point. There's a manipulation. Right. I, I want to warn our viewers at this particular point that this culture is prone to the kind of deception uh, that she's describing here. And I would just like to warn them that a person should never, ever believe a religious leader who, who tries to take you sexually, financially, or economically. According to the Bible, all religious leaders are to be your servants. They are never to be your dictators, nor your sexual partner. They are to be honest, they are to be chaste and transparent in all things all the time, and there's no exceptions. And this culture, especially in the polygamy cult backdrop, religious leaders take advantage and exploit their members, just like is happening to you, and it's easy for them to do that. And yet we, the religious leader is not to do, according to the Bible, any of these things, and that's a clue to run. But you wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have known that because a modern day prophet supersedes the scriptures. Right, exactly. You know, I mean the saying is that a living prophet has more power over your life and more mm -hmm. relevance to you mm -hmm. than a dead prophet or then and that's so what he you was were overriding with. this. So that sealed portion authenticated him, you know, it within the context of, of my beliefs, within Mormon culture, what what was happening to me had it all, it all had a basis and it seemed rational although I was experiencing cognitive dissonance because I could see he was saying this but he wasn't doing this there were contradictions mm -hmm. all over the place mm -hmm. and it and it and it you know several times I came very close to um, um, you know waking up but it you know, it there took, was just something yeah. that was in the way of that. Right. Well, as the test that this man put you through got worse and worse, how did he justify it and how did you respond? Well, I responded with, um, I mean, for example, he asked me to, he didn't ask me, he mandated me to give up my children for adoption. And I want you to know something. He knew that my children were my reason for living. I homeschooled my children. 
I, you know, I, I cross-stitched families are forever everywhere. You know, I mean, I, they were gift, they were all talented and gifted. I was young mother of the year. They were my, when, when I started a business, I started a business where I could have them at my side. They were my life, my joy, my everything. And posing as a prophet, he mandated me to um, give them up for adoption or I would not merit being a mother for time and all eternity. Hmm. So when he first told me this, it is so cruel. I mean, when he first told me this, I, I had, I like had a breakdown. I mean, I, I was wailing and he, he explained the sacrifice of Abraham and he, um, I mean, he saw tears and he saw shock and he saw, you know, I reached out to the other, you know, Sister Jackson and, and she confirmed that I needed to go, you know, um, talk to him in the jail about whether, whether I had done it because he'd, he, I'd, you know, he had gone to jail temporarily for violating a protective order against an ex-wife, but he justified it saying he was falsely accused like Joseph Smith. So I, I did not do what he said. I did not give up my children. What I did instead was I switched the schedule, the, cu the custody schedule with my ex-husband. And he also told me that I would be in danger. You know, the way when Joseph had the gold plates, people wanted to kill him and harm him. Mm -hmm. So that is, that is what he used to make sure that I didn't oh, tell anybody and to justify I needed to, you know, make sure that my children would be safe. They needed to be separate. They needed to be away from me for a while. But then he changed it and said I needed to give them up. I told them, I told him that I had obeyed. But that was my test to him because I had not. And I thought if he's a prophet, he would know. He'll know. So I simply sent them to their father. I did not give them up. But what if I would have? Yeah. What I mean, yeah. if you're a true believer, I mean women do because they are manipulated by their religious leader at the peril of their eternal life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was without my children, which and I was completely disoriented because that's all I knew it, is being a mother and I mean life was so now I'm isolated in this this other place dealing with people who were um, confirming his deceptions and you know and he added more layers of tests and and struggles and it was really um, he justified it by saying that Nephi shrunk in horror went at the thought of having to cut off the head of Laban, which is a story from the Book of Mormon. Right, right. Jonah didn't want to preach in Nineveh, and he too shrunk and had these bad feelings, but so he ended up in the belly of a whale. And you know, Zoram was kidnapped. People, you know, um, the, they didn't want to kidnap somebody, but he, they were forced to. So that sometimes the righteous have to do unorthodox things in order to save you know, the world, the big, you know, for the bigger picture and generations to come. Mm -hmm. So he was very clever. He's very clever. He was, I wonder how many uh, brainwashing classes he took in order to, oh. to be able to accomplish this as cleverly as he did. He can, you know, my understanding is that he is proud that he can manipulate people like this mm -hmm. and that he is, a, he considers himself a master manipulator. Mm, well, he certainly did that with you, didn't he? We are um, 30 minutes into the show where we need to open up the telephone lines and you've got more story to tell yes and we'll talk more about it after 
Um, but right now, I'd like to open up the telephone lines. If anyone has some questions or comments uh, for our guest, Christine, you can call in. Our number is 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. Give us a call. Be sure and stay on topic when you call in. And uh, be sure and turn your volume down when you call in. And as we wait for the calls to come, we'd like to share our ministry message with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and tonight we are interviewing our special guest, uh, Christine Marie Cadis, uh, telling her story of how she was coerced and manipulated by a false prophet who claimed that he had uh, been sent by God to translate the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, and then with the help of other people proceeded to coerce her and manipulate her and take her all of her money um, and really put her through some times of terror. Um, our telephone lines are open. Our number is 801-973-TV20. Give us a call if you would like to ask our guest a question or make some comments. Um, Christine, you wrote to him while he was in jail and to your sister wife, uh, describing some of the horrific things that you'd been through, and you begged him to tell the truth because your very life was on the line. How did he respond? How did your sister wife respond? And why didn't you leave? Okay, first of all, I thought that I was... Um, the first wife, okay? Then I get a revelation sent to me in the email. 
it was like Warren Jeffs, he hand wrote his, his revelations and he sent it to Sister Jackson, the one with the account that handled the, you know, uh -huh. all the, where all the money, money went. Mm -hmm. Sister Jackson sent me an email with this revelation that said that, um, sh that she was to be um, the, the, the public wife, the legal wife, like the number one wife, and now I was to be like the, the slave, essentially, the financial slave and, and worse, and that, if, and that I needed to continue to obey them, um, you know, it, again, if I wanted to marry eternal motherhood. So I cried out to these people because of, I was being traumatized. I told her that I had, you know, that in the name of, you know, uh, doing the things I was asked to do resulted in me being raped and beaten and robbed and that I, I, I was, it, my, my soul was on the line if I were to ever tell anybody, mm -hmm. if I were to ever follow Especially, him, yeah. if I were to ever, if I were to ever like follow him while he was supposed to be translating, I would be killed. So there were threats made and when I cried out to her for help, I told her, you know, that I was, I was suicidal. I could not, nothing could make sense and his, it, I said, please tell me if, if this is, if you're deceiving me. And her response was, the prophet and I would never deceive you, not for money, not for entertainment, or any other reason. Did you, did you question why there? Because he had made you feel like you were going to be the important wife uh, at first, and now you find out that you're not the important wife. I didn't wife. understand it because, because he kept telling me that I was passing every test. Then God said, you know, this is the new wife, this is the wife number one, and now I had to be the, the servant, and this is in a state of trauma. And so I, you know, I asked the people in the circles, and when it didn't make sense, I even went to the jail, and his response was that, you know, this was not his will, this was the Lord's will, and that, um, you know, the more we suffer, the more purified we can be, and that, um, that I needed to continue this because I needed to be happy. You know, I need, if I could not be happy making these sacrifices, then all my previous sacrifices were in vain. Oh my! So they're always so it was always spiritual blackmail, and the more I sacrificed, the more my brain was um, it was in it, psychological trauma, s survival. Your brain shuts off reality in order to survive. Mm -hmm. And what I learned is when one of the people who helped him deceive me was his was a, a cellmate of his who who confirmed oh, wow. like this this revelation that he had in jail when that cellmate got out he told he came to me and he he said he started crying and i mean crying this guy that just got out of prison crying and he said i'm so sorry i helped him deceive you he saw what had become of me and how i mean i i had lost so much weight and i was just truly you know, I, I thought I was saying my final prayer. I prepared myself to, to kill myself. And he, he cried and he said, he told me, it's all a fraud. This man is writing the sealed portion in jail. There were, there were no gold plates. He said, he's an atheist. And the girlfriend is an atheist. And they had been in a relationship since they, before he had even met me. And they, none of them were believers. They were all false believers. And so that shook your world, didn't it? Oh my oh my goodness. Just you know, I was I mean, it was like my life passed before my eyes. I mean, it was 
I was on the floor on my knees, you know, I was on the floor and I was like rocking. I was in so, I was crying so hard to think that people could put on such a persona of like Christ-like behavior and, you know, preaching about the poor and needy and, and never break character and the whole time, you know, his response about, you know, me, you know, um, you know, being hurt and he acted compassionate one minute and the next minute he, he was upset if I wasn't happy making these sacrifices. And to think that they let me go through these things mm -hmm. and I could have been killed. I could have been another body in the woods. Mm -hmm. And so if it, my family considers that man a hero because, you know, when he saw, when he saw somebody being taken advantage of, he did something about it. And if all men would do this, you know, instead of sit by silently, but what he dragged the, the other sister wife over and she came clean too. And she said, I, I was never a believer. I'm sorry. But he apparently also threatened them that if, if they ever told me the truth, that I would die. Wow. So, wow. I, so, you know, I'm sure they're wonderful, great people who also got caught in his web. Mm -hmm. But it just sends a message, you know, if you're, if you're a sister wife, I mean, you just can't allow abuse to go on. Well, and you know, I need to say this. We talked about this before the show, that when you're brainwashed, you don't know you're brainwashed. You when don't. you're in a cult, you don't know you're in a cult. Correct. And you have to get out away from it and let, then get into reality and live in reality and then look back and then you can see what you came from. And it's pretty frightening sometimes. It is. You know, uh, brainwashing is just a matter of, it, it's another word for severe psychological trauma. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's known psychological processes that make you afraid to look at the truth, afraid to say, for example, afraid to leave your current belief system mm -hmm. because you're, you don't know what's on the other side. Right. And if you think that your only option is to, to get out of your abuse is to get, go into hell, you know, that's worse. You have to be absolutely terrorized in, the, in your situation to even consider that you're gonna that you're gonna leave it and risk your your soul. Mm -hmm. That's true. We have a couple of calls. Let's take them and we can continue to talk. Uh, we have somebody by the name of Jensen on line three. Hello, Jensen. Yes. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. What is your question? Okay, I wanted to know if uh, on her first marriage, if she was married in the LDS Church. Yes, I was. I was. Um, I was married in the temple. I was a missionary. Oh. I was a missionary first. I was married in the temple to a good Mormon man who is still a good Mormon man and, and still a friend. Okay, and so, and, but you did get divorced. We got divorced, yeah. And then uh, you had your children back with him now. Are they back with you now? Or? Oh, my, oh, my children came back with me immediately. So I was only, I wasn't away from them very long and even when I was away from them I was still seeing them all the time so I never actually really you know parted right, with my children have, but you, you, you just custody with them and, and yeah yeah no my children and I are very close we always have been and they they didn't even they didn't even know that this was going on because their life was it was their life stayed normal because they just went and to their you dad your children like, did you go to church with them and or were you with just the new uh, cult or whatever Wait, um, gentleman is. excuse me? I'm saying, when you had your children with you, did you stay with them? Did you go to church? Did you have a yes, life? Yes, I, I, uh, I, 
I, I believed very much in the church. You know, I had a very strong testimony. I wrote a book on the Book of Mormon. I, you know, I loved the church. It was the happiest I had ever been. And, um, but the response of the members of the church to me after this right. was really heartbreaking, you know. It was really heartbreaking. It was, I thought the whole time I was, you know, helping the church. And, right. you know, I mean, the mainstream, the church did not do this to me. My beliefs set me up for this mm -hmm. and my this right. dream that I had no explanation for I just happened to meet a psycho that had already written this sealed portion thing and it's just a perfect storm of circumstances so I do not want to blame the church for what he did to me but I do want to say that the culture of obedience and you know the current prophet taking precedence I mean there was a rationalization that my brain did because I did believe, you know, well, in the no, doctrine. There's no stability when somebody can come along and just take away the foundation of a previous prophet or previous scripture. There's no stability. There's no foundation. It's just like shifting sand. Yeah, and he, you know, what he did is um, by constantly putting me in a double bind and and manipulating thing, manipulating my whole world. I, you know, I was so broken when I came out of this. I had, I was homeless. You know, I had had nothing left. I was, you know, I have been sexually exploited to, um, you know, extreme levels. Right, I, you I, lost everything. I, lo I had lost everything. And my bishop said, um, I mean, the bishop where I was didn't know me, but he said that, you know, I went to him and said, I have nothing. I, you know, I um, want to get my kids back. And he said, we can't help somebody like you because he considered that I, you know, I had, intermingled with these fringe groups and I was an apostate now but what I did do you know I mean I love the church still I'm I don't consider myself a member I consider myself a Christian that's and that's and I feel safe there and I believe in grace you know I learned the fear I mean I learned how if you if there's a man who if there's a man who can determine your eternal outcome that um, you know, you're in a dangerous spot. Right. Women Absolutely. are equal to men, you know, and and have the right to say, wait a second, yeah. I, I, I deserve to be just as happy with, as, as you. And right. so, but members of the church that were my friends were wonderful, you know, so, you know, in, in a different ward. I mean, I stayed active for a little while, but... After, um, after this, you mean? Oh, uh, yeah, after this. When it first happened, I thought, I was walking around Salt Lake homeless, okay? Yeah. I, you know, and I've, I slept under, you know, I slept in the park. I mean, the, my, my, active member, my active members' friends that were males would only let me stay there one night. Like, I had one of my children with me. And he said because he wanted to avoid the appearance of evil. Right. So, but what about your other family? Didn't you have other family or? Yeah, oh yeah, my my mother and father. Well, or, or anyone my my parents. You thank you for asking. My parents were in Michigan, and they were very against me joining the church in the first place. I had a really dramatic conversion story. I told it a million times on my mission. I converted a lot of people, not me, but whatever. So, so they were not. They, I did not tell them that they didn't know anything about this, oh. and uh, and. My ex-husband, he, um, he's a great man, but he wasn't um, like financially um, able to, to, to do much. So it was really, all I can say is, you know, I found a way to get some into therapy. 
I was diagnosed with severe post-traumatic stress disorder, and um, which I still battle. And um, um, but a Christian group let me come in there for free. I did turn him in to the police. I did make a statement, and and I also took my information down to church headquarters, and I said, you know, I walked and. Um, and 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 just so they would know that there's a man who's doing this, and I thought that, you know, maybe they ought to know that he's posing like he has authority from the church to do this. Right. You know. Still so, in prison? Okay. We, no, we he did have... not go to prison for anything he did to me. Okay. No. Okay. We have some other calls coming in, so thank you for your call. Okay. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Good luck to you. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Bye. Okay, we have John calling from Ogden. Hello, John. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. Uh, I just had a question about uh, talking about prophets. Was it in the New Testament that uh, Christ talked about beware of false prophets? Yes, Matthew 24, he warns over and over again that false Christs and false prophets would appear and deceive many. And they would perform false miracles, which is exactly what happened in her case. Yeah. Well, if it says beware of false prophets, don't you think there would be some true prophets? The only, the only living true prophet right now is Jesus Christ. He is the final living prophet, and we listen only to him. So, does it say that in the scriptures that Christ is the only prophet? In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, it tells us that God's final word to mankind is through Jesus Christ. And so, no other man can be prophet. Right. No exceptions, period. Oh, okay. okay. How did you become such an authority on all this? Well, I've done a lot of studying, <laughs> sir, and I, uh, you know, I come from a polygamy group where there was a lot of, of a manipulating and coercion and, you know, uh, downtrodding the women, and we have to listen to the men tell us how to live our lives and, or go to hell, and, you know, yeah. so, so we did our studies. Anyway, we have another call coming in. Thank you for your call, John. <laughs> Okay, line two, we have Tammy calling from North Ogden. Hello, Tammy. Hello. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, I just wanted your views on, you're speaking about the abuse that went on, but that show, um, Sister's Wives with that Cody mm -hmm. and his wife, it doesn't portray the abuse. Do you feel like maybe they're covering that and that could be the same situation? You know, thank you. I'm curious. Thank you very much for asking that. As a matter of fact, I do because I remember how I don't. I had to present a happy face to the world. The world did not know how severe I was being hurt, and nobody that I was with could figure it out. And I, I know that because I, I was. You know, if your eternal life is on the line, unless, unless you agree to this, that's not consent. I don't believe that those women really have the ability to consent because there's an imbalance of power between Cody and them. And, and when it comes to ecclesiastical influence, you know, it, they believe their life is on the line. They're not, they're not, only, not only are they not consenting adults, but I think they have to force themselves to pretend to be happy, you know, and, 
I think they, they're seriously they abused, at least psychologically. I'd like to interrupt right there. You talked about consenting adults, and they are consenting adults, but in, in reality, they are not truly consenting because they are doing this to go to heaven. If they don't do it, they'll go to hell. Well, con legally, um, consent is legally, yes. legally, consent is rendered void if there's coercion. And there is coer coercion means there's consequences if you don't consent. Mm -hmm. exactly. So if they do not, if you do not consent to to live the principle, um, then and, and you think you're going to go to hell, you know, is that really consent? I don't think so. That's it's manipulation and exploitation. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like because to me it doesn't seem, and I don't watch it that often, just once in a while if it's on. It doesn't seem as if he's coming across as a as a prophet or, well, or, you know, in that group, just that he is practicing polygamy. Right. Now, so I'm just wondering, are they just practicing polygamy or yeah. are they part of a group that are, you know, follow me or you'll go to hell? Right. Now, listen, I, well, we know that they're members of the AUB. We know that the AUB has some serious um, spiritual blackmail going on. We know that they, that they are, are, that they're racist. I mean, they do not allow blacks to join their church, and they do not allow gays to get baptized. Okay, they do not, you know, they believe in many Mormon things um, that, that, a few Mormon things that, are sim that were similar. Mm -hmm. But so the AU, you notice they do not bring up religion on their show so that it looks oh, like another that's lifestyle. Right. That's right. I love, I love the, I would love to talk to those women. I think they're awesome, and I don't think they're criminals or anything like that. But I think that um, they that they're being deceptive because they they leave the religious um, pressure out of it, and they're you know if they think they're going to go to hell if they don't happily support the living this way, when the cameras are on, they're going to present themselves in a mm -hmm. happy way. Mm -hmm. So um, now when I I want to say one more thing. When I did my docudrama, obviously they left out a ton of stuff because there was only so much time, and they did it, they kind of fictionalized little parts to make the story, whatever. They, they took out the religion on my, most of the religious motivation in my documentary, too, because it's, um, most people can't relate to it, and it's not good entertainment. But if you don't understand the, re the religious rationale, exactly. you know, exactly. I mean, it seems so illogical to to the world that I could possibly believe a guy's a prophet. I, I mean, it seems it seems sort of ridiculous to me now as well. But within the context of you know all the happiness of that being religion. Mormon brought mm -hmm. me, um, my predator simply took advantage of. Uh, he was an ex-Mormon with a vendetta, and he took advantage of the um, my beliefs. You know, for his own benefit and the benefit of, of the of the others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have to understand the Mormon backdrop and the doctrine that that uh, is the the push behind all that he did and your acceptance of it. Right. If if there was no psychological abuse in the sister wives, um, if if they had nothing to hide, they would bring their doctrines out and and broadcast them so they could convert more people. Okay. That's probably true. I didn't think of it that way. Well, I ran into um, a couple times at the Walmart down in Bloomington, and I just so bad wanted to go up and talk to him, but just, I, I guess, sent an evil thing. But I would 
I'd love to just pick their brain. Oh, well, you know what? Actually, kind of slap them and say, "What are you thinking?" You know what? I wrote a paper. <laughs> you know. I wrote a paper that you can find on Voices for Dignity called Why Patriarchal Polygamy is Not a Matter of Consenting Adult. There's a whole bunch of reasons if anybody's interested. Voices for Dignity. Okay, thank you for calling. We have another call. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're getting close to uh, the end of the show. Let's get uh, this next call. Kristen from Southern Utah. Hello, Kristen. Hi, Christine. You are doing a beautiful job of explaining how women are exploited. You're incredible. I wanted to tell you thank you for that. Thank you. And I wanted to ask you about the secrecy. So no one knew about what was going on. Were you sworn to secrecy? Oh, yeah. Thank you for asking. Yes, absolutely. You know, because the rationale was because um, if they, you know, just as in when Joseph Smith had the plates, he was in danger because, you know, men wanted to kill him and get the plates. And so I was absolutely sworn to secrecy. I couldn't, and I knew you know, I knew it anyway, that if I, if I told the police, if I went to therapy, if I did any, if I let this out, that I could be, you know, the entire, the world could, you know, not have the blessings that are, that are about to come forward because I failed at my test. I so really, that's why your family didn't know and anyone else. Right. Not only that, but my, my family, they were not members of the church, remember? And my father was, um, let me just say old school. Had I told my father, he, he, he would have probably committed a murder. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I was not about to tell my dad. He, you know, yeah. And so my family did not know, and my friends did not know. But I did try to do due diligence, you know, on different things that he told me. I did go to, like, my Relief Society president and so on and try to ask questions. So I didn't just, just blindly, you know, run out and follow everything. He was really good. In fact... I, I kept it a secret at the peril of my eternal life, but I do want to say that he was so good that he's converted the director of research, like, you know, for the BYU the Women's Institute, the former director of research, he's still doing this today. He has a, he has a following still today. He's really good. And well, you're required in, in Mormonism, and then especially fundamental Mormonism, which I was raised into, sacrifice everything for your exaltation. Yeah. So I completely mm -hmm. understand where you're coming everything. from. Everything. You commit to yeah. your whole life to building the kingdom of God. Got it. No, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Kristen, thank you for calling. And mm -hmm. this is Kristen Decker. She's been on the show a couple of times in the past. And we thank you for calling, Kristen. Thanks, Christine. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. sure. uh -huh. Goodbye. Uh, Christine, I want to thank you for having the courage to come and tell your story. You've told most of it. Of course, there's details that we didn't get to. You don't want to release, uh, or you didn't want to say the name of this man mm -hmm. for various safety reasons. Uh, however, we do think at some point he's going to be uh, exposed for who he is because he can't go on doing this thing to people and get by with it for very long, and we hope that that happens. Right. Thanks so very much thank for you. coming. We do appreciate uh, your story, and uh, just uh, let this be an alert. Ecclesiastical leaders are your servants. They are never your masters or your dictators. You know, 
the Bible was here first. It has always had preeminence above all else, and it is God's word to mankind. And it is a tragedy that the Book of Mormon has been used to displace and replace the Bible. You know, knowing the Bible actually is our protection because it warns us against people like this predator who terrorized and exploited Christine. We know from the Bible that there is no other scripture. Therefore, it's easy for us to detect a false prophet who comes bringing new scripture. We know from the Bible that after Jesus there are no more prophets to come, that Jesus is the only final and living prophet. Therefore, it's easy to detect someone who comes to, claims to be a prophet and he we know he's an imposter and a deceiver. And Jesus warned about the false prophets that would come in the last days and deceive with miracles, signs, and wonders. These predators know full well that people don't believe and accept the Bible and so they are the perfect potential victims. If our culture would use the Bible as their guide, there would be no polygamy groups, each with their own prophet, and there would be no other religious organizations with their prophets offering other scriptures. We suggest to our viewers that you take God at his word believing that he meant it when he said the Bible would be preserved forever and that not even a single comma would be lost. It's time we believed God like Abraham did. So why don't you just toss out everything? Why don't you believe God and follow only Jesus as the final prophet and the final priest? Because he is the only living prophet that we should or anyone should ever listen to. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.